This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so delighted you've joined me tonight. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to welcome you to this ministry. We'll start off by reading the Word of God from two places, Psalm 103 and Philippians chapter 4. Listen to these verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is mercy and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so he removes our transgressions from us. And now we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, thy will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in this and all other things. It's in your name. Amen. A cartoonist made a rather suggestive division of the human race. He has a picture of two women at a well. Each woman has a bucket with which to draw water. One woman, who seems to be down in the dumps, looking sad and bitter, remarks, Life is terrible. Every time I fill this bucket, it's empty within minutes. The other woman, who appears to be at peace, says this, I think life is wonderful. Every time this bucket is empty, I can fill it again. Now, these two women represent two different attitudes toward life. One is negative and focuses on what's wrong with life, while the other is positive and focuses on what is right with life. One expresses bitterness, while the other expresses gratitude. They each had a choice to make. Each one had a choice to make. Now, the Apostle Paul is in the same situation. He, too, has a choice to make. He's in a prison cell, and of all things, he has lost much including his freedom. So he could have had a very negative outlook on life, but Paul instead chose to be positive. Paul chose to focus on every good thing. He focused on what is right, what he had left. I would imagine that Paul's letter to the Philippians was just as much written to himself as it was to them. Here he is in prison, but I want you to listen to his words again. Rather than complaining about his circumstances, he writes, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. While we cannot always determine what happens to us, we can determine our response to whatever happens to us. The question is, will we be negative and complaining and focus on the menaces, or will we be positive and determined 
and grateful. The great evangelist White L. Moody told about a man who attended his meetings. One of them gave a testimony. This man said that all of his life he lived on Grumble Avenue. Grumble Avenue. But he said he then became a Christian and he moved to Thanksgiving Avenue. So I want you to listen to what one modern writer wrote about the residents of Grumble Avenue. There's a family nobody likes to meet. They live, it is said, on Complaining Street. In the city of never are satisfied, the river of discontent beside, they growl at that, they growl at this. Whatever comes, there's something amiss. And whether their station be I or humble, they're all known by the name of Grumble. The weather's always too hot or too cold. Some in winter alike they scold. Nothing goes right with folks you meet down on that gloomy complaining street. They growl at the rain, they growl at the sun. In fact, their growling is never done. And if everything pleased them, there isn't a doubt. They growl that they had nothing to grumble about. So we were wisest to keep our feet from wandering into complaining street. And never to growl whatever we do, lest we be mistaken for grumblers too. Let us learn to walk with a smile and a song. No matter if things do sometimes go wrong. And then be our station high or humble, will never belong to the family of Grumble. How very important that is for us to realize. I repeat, will we be negative and complaining and always focusing on the manners of life? Or will we be positive and will we be determined and will we be grateful instead? With thanksgiving, Paul said, the choice is ours. First of all, gratitude is rooted in God. Gratitude is rooted in God. Someone said the saddest moment for an atheist is when that person has a sense of something to be grateful for, but nobody to thank. Gratitude is rooted in God. Someone to thank. Someone to thank. Beloved, there's simply no way to manufacture praise. Praise and gratitude does not come from dry roots. The psalmist reminds us it begins with our experience and our knowledge of God. It begins with our remembrance of God's goodnesses and of His mighty acts in our behalf. And forget not all His benefits, we're told. The psalmist begins his journey of gratitude and praise by remembering what God has done for him personally. And I want you to listen again to what he says that God has done for him personally in these first five verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Here we sort of get the sense that this psalmist is thanking God and praising God for the fact that he has come back from a very critical illness. Now there's something in here about forgiveness, of course. But still, this particular person has been to the pit where there was no hope. Pit, in his term, meant this place of nothingness, a place of emptiness, a place of shadowy existence. It was not the eternal life that we Christians think about. But in order to understand the gratitude of the psalmist, we need to understand what he felt that he was delivered from. He was delivered from the pit. He was delivered from the critical illness that would have certainly meant his death. So he had another chance. And if we are really going to express our gratitude to God, we have to realize what God has done for us, for each one of us personally. That's what we need to be thinking about as we come here tonight. 
It's sort of like the phone call that a boy and his best girl were having. He was rattling on about his problems, and he was going so fast and furious he wasn't listening to her, and she suddenly said again insistently, Did you hear what I said? And he said, No. She said, I love you. It was like the sun coming through the clouds. It was a new day in his life. So when we begin to think of what God has done for us personally, we think about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ shining through the fog of our lives, telling us that even though you've made mistakes, even though you've sinned, even though you've been wrong, I love you. I still love you. There was a fellow by the name of J. Allen Peterson, a family concern. This particular man told of, being, of another man being wheeled into an operating room. And the man, as he was placed on the table, they took off his robe, they undid the covering, and when they did that, they saw this big note attached to a piece of tape across his abdomen, and it simply said, think, don't do it until you think. Well, I'm saying that we need to think. We need to think about God's goodnesses to us, what all he's done to help us. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus thanks God that though he hasn't revealed it to the clever and the wise, he's revealed it to children. What are some of God's blessings that he has revealed to us? First of all, the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation. As one of my minister friends put it, grace is doing for someone what they do not deserve, have not earned, could not ask for, and cannot repay. E. Stanley Jones was out in the jungle. He had a guide who was hacking away at the woods trying to find the path. And finally, E. Stanley Jones said, are we going to get to the path? And at that point, his guide said, Sir, I am the path. Jesus is the path of our salvation. And then the gift of forgiveness. We're told in 1 John, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have our forgiveness in Him. What a marvelous gift. And then the gift of being, having a place at God's eternal table. As Jesus said, you will eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. When you were young, you remember, you stood at home plate. You had a bat on your shoulder and stars in your eyes. It wasn't going to be long before Little League became Big League, and then you were going to say, watch out, Babe Ruth, Chipper Jones. Watch out, Hank Aaron. Watch out, Derek Jeter. You were going to make it. But you see, most of us didn't make it. Most of us didn't make it, so we pursued our life's calling. With only slight regret, we didn't make it. But then... We continue on, and we understand that's the way it is in the world. Not everybody makes it in the world. Not everybody wins the awards or has the gold medals or makes the valedictory addresses. We understand that because that's the way it is in the world. But at God's table, it's going to be different. At God's table, every one of us is going to be able to give a valedictory address. Every one of us is going to be wearing gold medals. Every one of us is going to be winning awards. You see, it's not just the chosen few that are going to receive those awards. It's all who have given their lives to Jesus Christ and for His purposes in the world. And then there is the gift of hope. The gift of hope. Where else can we find hope other than in the God and Father of Jesus Christ? Because of the resurrection of Christ, there is hope. Everything changed. Life changes. Everything has the possibility of being made new. Death changes. Death changes. Rather than being the end of life, it is now the beginning. The cemetery changes. Rather than going out there and saying goodbye to our loved ones, we're simply saying, see you later. Going to see you appropriately at the right time.
So what I'm saying is it's so very, very important as we move along in this life. Gratitude is rooted in God. And then secondly, gratitude not only is rooted in God, but gratitude is refusing to return to normal, whatever that is. It's refusing to return to normal. Every time I hear somebody challenging us as a nation to return to normal, I shudder. You see, I don't particularly want us to return to normal, to the way things were. And if you've ever had an illness or been in an accident, you will understand what I'm talking about. Because while that came, also there was a revolution of your values that came. You may be ill, you may be in an accident, there may be something bad going on, but a revolution in your values changed. You kept thinking, if I get out of this alive, things are going to be different. At that point, relationships became much more important than business or recreation. And at that point, the ways of God became much more important than our ways. Our ways could just go because God's ways couldn't wait. In other words, we ourselves began to make new resolutions. But then what happened? We got better. We got better and our resolutions were forgotten and we returned to normal, I might say, with some kind of relief. But then in September of 2011, what happened? Those terrorist attacks came. And immediately after those days, and among those weeks and even months, things were new, they were different in this country than they had been because we knew we were vulnerable all of a sudden, all over again. That was a poll that was conducted and people were asked, would you be more grateful this Thanksgiving than all the other Thanksgiving since, December, since September the 11th, 2001? 75% of the poll answered yes, they would be more grateful. And then there was a lady named Nancy Gibbs that wrote about what happened in this country following September the 11th. These were some of the things she said had happened to the country. A renewed emphasis on family and friends. A revival of religious interest in faith. A new desire of reconciliation between people. A new appreciation of values of life. A new interest in learning more about our world. A new sense of patriotism. A new concern for home and leadership. Thus in the light of all these renewal of values, who would want to ever return to normal? And yet the process deteriorated anyway. Over the last several years we have been returning to normal. But who wants to return to normal anyway? Leo Buscaglia has a class of young people and he always asks them to write a report on this. If you knew you only had five days to live, what would you do? Some of the students said, well, I would tell people I forgive you. Other people, I would say I love you. Other students said, I'd walk out on the beach and take a look at the sunrise. Oh, I'd watch the sunset. Leo Buscaglia answered their papers with his own answer. On each paper he wrote, why don't you do that now? Why don't you do that now? Gratitude is refusing to return to normal, whatever that is. It's refusing to return to normal, whatever that is. We don't need to return to normal. And then thirdly, gratitude is an opportunity. There was a third grade teacher in a third grade classroom that said to these students, what are you most thankful for? One little boy raised his hand and he said, my glasses, they keep the boys from hitting me and the girls from kissing me. I don't know how it was in your house, but in my house we were taught to be thankful, to give thanks to people who did things for us. I know I was. 
If somebody did a kind deed, we thanked them in person, or we wrote them a note, or we gave them a gift. Thank you for being there. Thank you for bringing me home. Thank you for doing this, that, and the other. But it wasn't a law at my house. It was grace. We saw it as an opportunity. You know, we need to say we appreciate and appreciative of other people. We need to share that. That is a great affirmation and a great appreciation to tell somebody you appreciate them. It may be somebody who's operating a camera. It may be somebody who's a waitress. It may be somebody who's a mechanic. It may be a teacher. Anybody, just let them know how much you appreciate them and how thankful you are for them. But in my house, we saw this opportunity of being thankfulness as an opportunity to do what? First of all, an opportunity to make somebody else's day. An opportunity to make somebody else's day. We're told that one, one of the, when one of the great writers of our day was at the height of his career, Mark Twain, his words were $5 apiece. So one prankster wrote him and said, Dear Mr. Twain, here's $5. Please send me your best word. Shortly there came the word back to him, the word thanks. Thanks is so important to express to other people. You know, one of the greatest soldiers I know is a highly decorated retired Army colonel. He's a former ranger, and he lives the Army every day, retired or not. When I've had the privilege of being with him, I've watched him. He'll go out of his way to tell a soldier how much he appreciates what that soldier is doing for his or her country. He'll walk across the street. He'll run down the block. He'll tell them at a civic club meeting. Whatever he does, he lets them know how much he appreciates it. And you can see how they feel about it with the expression on their faces. This particular army colonel is making other people's day. And then it's also an opportunity to make the world softer and a better place to live. If there is any point in this world where the power of evil is broken, it is at the point of gratitude or love. That's where the power of evil is broken. Dr. Hans Healy was in, a, was in a German prison camp during the war. He said it was a place of dreadful situation, dreadful conditions. It was Dr. Hans Lilly. He said that everything was bad, but he said if what he would do is he would thank his guards when they brought him food or when they changed him. And he noticed that in all of that evil, that was the one place where things seemed to be different. One day, one of the guards said, why do you thank us for this? And he said, well, you're doing your duty, aren't you? And he said, that particular guard went away shaking his head. Strange to think that if there was one place in that evil prison where evil was broken, it was at the point of love and gratitude. And then it's an opportunity to give God God's rightful praise. How often have we hung it, have we sung it, said it, or otherwise? Bless this house, bless this nation, bless us, bless you, bless me, bless this, that, and the other. But the psalmist in his superior wisdom said, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I went to a banquet some years ago because a friend was being honored, but there were other people being honored there as well. One man was from Pakistan. This particular man had made it big in business in this country. As a matter of fact, his business was on the Fortune 500 list. 
I wrote down what he said at the end. This is what he said. This is a great country. I truly believe that there's a God up there who loves us all, and so do I. I truly believe there's a God up there who loves us all. So gratitude is rooted in God. Gratitude is never returning to normal, whatever that is. And gratitude is expressing our thanks to God for the great opportunity we have. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful again for your presence, and we're thankful for the opportunity that we can express our gratitude. You've been so good to us. You've given us far more than we've ever asked or deserved, and yet you continue to bestow your blessings upon us. We ask your blessing upon all those who are in need, who have needs, who are suffering in any way, and we pray that you bless them, and we're thankful, O oh God, that we can have opportunity to serve you and them. It's in your name. Amen. Again, I would like to say that the purpose of Howard Brady Ministries is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in a biblical, vital, and relevant way, and it's to enable people to know that God is still here, that God is encouraging them every step of the way. If you'd like to partner with us, either by your prayers or your financial support, we thank you very much. And may God enable us by his power to lift up the Christ that we love. Have a good evening. Good night. Oh,